0: Hey, good morning, church. Sounds like you're awake. That's a good thing. You know, I I really do, I, I really do look forward to these moments when we get to spend some time together. And truthfully, with this holiday weekend, you know the reason why we take that first hour off? We just figure so many people are traveling and away from here, and we give you a little holiday break. And we always figure we're going to get fewer people on Sunday, and I just... I just thank you, really thank you for being here and making this a priority for us to worship together and celebrate together. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, kind of convincing me. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, we got a different Sunday today and next week. Uh, We're looking forward to 2019. After next week, we're going to be jumping back into our series called Faith Works, and it's on the book of James And it's really talking about how faith comes into practice in every situation in our life. And I hope that you'll be able to be a part of that series uh, that is cranking up again uh, on the 16th of January. Today's a little different day. So if you're a guest, I realize that uh, today may be a little bit different. If you're not used to church, we're going to be talking about some church things. This may be a little bit unique for your scenario personally. But when you hear us talking about this and you realize that we have a passion for what we do here, here's, if you're a guest, here's just how I want you to couch it and realize we care about people. We care about doing things to connect God with you today. And that's our passion. And so um, understand, when we discuss some of this It's not without you in mind, it is totally with you in mind that we talk about our direction, our passion, our thoughts, our drive for this coming year. Now if you would, we have a very long bulletin this week, it is about as long as it can get. Uh, We were thinking about rolling it up as a scroll and you could kind of uh, open it up that way. But uh, if you would take that and go to the back where your study guide is, and we're going to work through some of that this morning, <clears throat> I'm sure we have all had some crazy requests in our lifetime. I want to give you um, some crazy requests from pet sitters. I don't know uh, if you've ever done pet sitting, if you've watched someone's animal before, um, in some areas, this is a a big business. So there's a woman, Catherine Oakley, of uh, Power Pet Sitters in Atlanta, Georgia. And she recalls accommodating a client with seven cats. That tells you something right away. And each kitty needed to eat in its own specific location. One cat in particular, Catherine mentioned, uh, had to be served at the dining room table. And the crazy thing was, she said, each cat knew exactly where they should be sitting and waited there for their food. Here's another one. Robin Cara of All Ears Pet Sitting in St. John's, Florida, mentioned, my client had me drive her two dogs around the neighborhood every day, and I had to use her car. But they went on, hey, it made her happy. It made the dogs happy, and so I was happy. So here's a couple, the last two biggies. Kathy DeVan of Carolina Comfort Pet Sitting in Sumter, South Carolina, obediently follows feeding instructions that she was given for a dog. Here's the instructions. Our client wants us to mix the dog's dry and wet food and then heat it for specifically 12 seconds in the microwave. Then place the food bowl on the bed in the master bedroom and put the dog on the bed. We then must lie on our stomachs, on the bed, a little way from the bowl, and turn on the TV. We are not allowed to look at the dog while he's eating. Last one. It just might top the others. We had a nice older lady with a cat. This cat thing keeps coming back, doesn't it? Recall Shannon Pignatori, who operates Carolina Pet Care Services in Fayetteville, North Carolina, with Teresa Blackwell. She had specific instructions on how to clean the litter box. Are you ready? We were to scoop, double bag the contents into Ziploc bags, and then put them into her freezer. So we were to freeze everything. Number one... Number two, the litter clumps. And if the cat got sick, we were to freeze that too. The reason, you ready? She didn't want her trash to smell. Did I say she had cats? Sometimes pet owners have us scratching our heads for obvious reasons like, what? What? Really, you know, why a request like that? It's crazy to think about. But you know, there have been some times and some requests of God that can leave us scratching our heads too. They just don't make sense. Like, God, really? Now, think about it. Just think about it. He had some unique requests all the way through the scriptures. I'm just going to throw a few at you. Like, number one, Israelites, I want you to march around Jericho every day for seven days. Pretty crazy request. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. After that, everyone blow your trumpet and you will win the battle. That sounds logical to me, huh? How about Noah? I know it's never rained. But I want you to build a gigantic boat for two of each animal. And in a hundred years, there's going to be a flood. Really? How about Naaman? I want you to go to the Jordan River, and you have leprosy, and I want you to dip in the Jordan seven times, and on the seventh time, your leprosy will be gone. Or you know what? We have 5,000 people to feed. Wow. Okay. Okay. Disciples, here's five loaves, two fish. I want you to feed everyone. Really? How about this man's blind? I know what we'll do. I'm going to spit and I'm going to take some mud. I'm going to put it on your eyes, okay? And I think everything should be just fine. Crazy, crazy requests of God. And sometimes they really have us wondering, God, did you really want us to do that? Is this really going to work? This doesn't make any sense to me at all. So here you go. you got your study guide. Turn to Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I want to talk about a crazy command of God, and it just didn't make sense to these people at this time. It made no sense. It had no merit. There was no reason logically and humanly to do it. It really didn't compute. However, they did it. And we're going to talk about how that relates to us um, this year. So here we are in uh, Luke chapter 5, and we're just going to be taking a glance at verses 1 through 11. So um, I, how you doing this morning? You know what? You, some of you are scaring me a little bit. Why don't we stand together just for this reading. I'm going to read through this. You follow along your copy of the scriptures, and then, um, then we're going to talk about the request of Jesus in this specific passage. So here, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. I'll read it to you. Here's how it goes. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, and he saw at the water's edge two boats. They were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Pastor, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they... Signaled to their partners in that other boat to come and help them and they came and they filled both boats So full that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw this he fell at Jesus knees and said go away from me Lord, I'm a sinful man for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish They had taken and so were James and John the sons of Zebedee Simon's partners And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything, and they followed him. We're going to have a good time with this. Have a seat. Let's talk about it together. Here Jesus has this following of people that were coming around, and here he was at the lake of And he was standing um, by the shoreline, and he does something that may sound a little bit different to us. I don't know. Maybe it sounds normal. But, you know, with all this crowd of people, he goes over, and he gets into a boat, and he asks Simon, if you would, let's just just push out a little bit, and let's just get out into the water a little bit. And we may wonder, why in the world would he do such a thing like that? Well, here's the basic idea. We're kind of doing it here. Um, I'm, I'm backed up a little ways and, and, and where, where everyone can see and, and no one's obstructed from view. In fact, I was up in the balcony goofing around with some of those folks during the songs and I was joking. Their view is a little different than yours. They actually up there can view my bald spot from up in the top. But everyone has a view. When you push out to water a little bit, everyone can see. Well, here's the other thing. Back then they didn't have a PA system. And you know the impact that, that water has when you talk to this, you know, to this group of people and over the hard service, and there's this amplification that kind of spreads out over the crowd. And so Jesus, as a, not only a master speaker, but genius, the one who created the world, he knows how to work this, and so he steps back and he utilizes the water, and everyone can hear him teaching from that specific situation, and so he ended up asking three requests of Simon. These requests of Jesus, because sometimes God asks us to do something that doesn't make sense. Well, he asked three things of Simon Peter, and here's what they were, and I think you'll see a progression. The very first thing was move out into the water, and so I I think he got some blanks here. Move out into the water, and this was a small request. It didn't require a lot of effort. Okay, here we go. Let's just nudge this boat. Let's just get out there far enough where I can be able to see people and they can see me and they can hear me. Not a big deal. And then after he's done with his talking to them, here comes the next request. You're going to see this, this request expand. The first request was small. The second one, he says, okay, now here's what I want us to do. I'm done talking to them. Let's launch out in the deep. Now that's going to require a little bit more. Remember, this isn't the day of motorboats. This isn't fire up the engine and let's just go out there for a jaunt. Okay, you realize what they had to do, folks. They were going to be rowing. They were going to be working. And then he says, and then when we get out there, and here's the even bigger request. It required much work. The first one was small. The second one was A more intensive request, the third one, required much work. Let's get out there, and when we get out there, I want you to drop the nets, and let's do some fishing. Now, I don't know what your fishing excursions have been in the past. I'll tell you, most of my fishing excursions, and probably some of you parents or grandparents have done fishing with your kiddos, you know what it's like, so here, you know, you... You grab all your poles. Every kid needs their own pole. They just, you know, it's not like, okay, you seven, share one pole. It's just not going to work. So everyone gets their own pole. And you get out there, and okay, now we got to put worms on all the hooks. Well, ooh, I'm not going to touch. Well, Okay, Dad will get the worms. You put all the worms on. You get the bobber on. You start casting them out there. And all of a sudden, hey, Dad, there goes my bobber. You know, you come on over here. and. You help them reel it in, you get the fish on, and you're just back and forth and back and forth. You realize it's a little bit of work, sometimes fishing. It's not always a leisurely thing to do when you got a bunch of kids. Well, you know, even that kind of work was nothing compared to what these guys did. This was their commercial livelihood. They had massive nets that they would put down, and they would try to troll through and scoop up fish that they would take to the market and they would sell. This was their business. This is their bread and butter. This is their, the way that they made money to support their family. And oftentimes these nets would get torn and tattered and they would bring them up and they would dry them out and lay them out on the rocks and they would mend them and that's the situation that they were in. Jesus ended up saying, okay, I, I, I want you to do this. Let's, let's get out there a little ways. Now let's get out there all the way and let's put down the nets. And notice what Simon said. This doesn't make sense. Verse 5, Simon says, Master, we have worked hard all night, and we haven't caught a thing. So here's how the, here's how the whole account works. Simon has a few challenges to the request. We're tired. We've been fishing all night. Like, we're worn out. You realize the text mentions they were just finishing cleaning their nets, repairing their nets, and getting it all done. We are done. It's like 5 o'clock. We have punched out, boom, and then they say, you know what? Let's go right back out and do it again. He says, I'm tired. The second kind of challenge was, it doesn't work. We just trolled this place. There's nothing. And now you're saying go back out there. We have worked hard all night. We didn't catch a thing. Like what part of the water do you think we're going to get something that we hadn't been? And then here's a third one, and I throw this in there for extra measure. Anyone know Jesus' occupation, his human occupation when he was on earth? His dad was was a carpenter. Guess what he knew? Simon was a fisherman. So here's the carpenter telling the fisherman who does it for a living, hey, let's go right back out there and let's drop the net and let's catch some fish. And, And I'm sure he's saying, what are you thinking, man? Why don't you stick to wood? We'll stick to fishing. We've got this down God asks us to do some things that are illogical sometimes or inconvenient sometimes. Let me throw a few at you. Here's one. Love your enemy. It's not always convenient, is it, folks? Sometimes it's illogical. When they're doing me dirty, you know what's logical? Do them dirty. Here's another one. Be with a bunch of crazy Christians when it's a perfect morning to go hunting or fishing. You ever wake up on a gorgeous fall Sunday morning and think, wow, what a great day to be in the woods. Now, I never have. I've read books about people who have. Shame on them, really. What about giving when you don't have much? That doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't I be hoarding and conserving? What about reserving your marriage relationship for someone who's a committed believer? What about staying pure in a sex-crazed world where no one's going to look down on you if you just go and do your own thing? It's accepted now. What about sharing your faith with someone you don't know or, or someone you do know, but you don't want to risk your relationship? Like, ah, that, I don't want to screw it up. God, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to tell you my, my it doesn't make sense moment, and, and it may be harder for you to imagine. Let me just tell you my it doesn't make sense is being a pastor. And I, let me just tell you, you didn't know me when I was a kid. I was the most shy. My face, if anyone said anything about me that was a joke, or, instant, boom, my face would be red. I'd be embarrassed. I was so quiet. And, and, and I know you're, people are saying you speak for 40 minutes. Like, why can't you be quiet on Sunday morning, too? It's not funny, people. It's really not. It, oh, it just doesn't... I remember really feeling a tug of God in my life for ministry. I'm thinking, I can't do that. I can't. I know for my wife and I, um, some of our it doesn't make sense moments was passion to host and consider adopting other children. And you know, it's not like as if we don't have enough children already. And God is, you know, putting our hearts to do some things that just don't make sense. And what do we do? What do we do when God says, do it? When you sense God's leading or his word says this is what needs to happen, what do we do when those moments happen? And this is the most beautiful rollout of a text that I could ever present on a faith step like this. And I want you to see exactly the words of Peter. I don't know if you mark in your Bible or underline. If you do, this is a phrase to mark and underline. Notice verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. I'm tired. We've not caught anything. It's not going to work. But because you say so. That's what I underline in my Bible. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Let's go. I'll do it. And it's not based on logic. It's not based on statistics. It's not necessarily even based on his feeling. It's not based on prior success that he saw around. Oh yeah, other guys are going back out and they're getting some. It's not based on anything like that. It's based upon the word of God. It's based upon what Jesus had told him. Because you say it, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Just because you say. I was reading recently about a guest lecturer at a university, and um, it's interesting, he gets in there. Here's the one thing they told him not to do. You can talk about anything, but we don't want you to talk about the Bible. And he, um, as he continued, he said, that really stuck out strange to me because that very evening, He went to do prison ministry. And the first words from the warden were, we want you to talk about the Bible to these people. It's interesting that some people understand that the most important thing that they could hear, even if it doesn't make sense, is the words of God to them. And other people will say, you know what? It just doesn't make sense. I just don't want to deal with it. Let's not cloud our thinking. And whenever we come to these situations where we end up understanding God's word and even if something goes against the current and the grain, it's going to require a few things of us. It's going to require resolve. I'm tired I'm physically tired. I don't want to do it. It's going to require resolve. It's going to require trust. I'm skeptical. I don't really know if this is going to work. I'm, I, I, I'm a disbeliever at this point. I'm doubting it. It's going to require trust. And number three, it's going to require humility. You know what? I know better. I know this. I'm the expert. I've done this. And it's going to require humility. The response of the disciples was trust and obey. I love this, one of the best fish stories you'll ever hear in your entire life. Verse six, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And that second boat that was on the shore, they were like, come on, guys, we need some help. And they came out. I'm sure those guys' eyes were just bugging. And they came out, and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And you know, can I remind, this was their livelihood. You know what they were seeing in their eyes right here? These are dollar signs, baby. Woo, can you imagine what they're thinking? We're going to the market this is going to be huge. We're going to be able to take all of this stuff to market. This is the best catch we've ever had in our entire life. And if they had followed their own logic, if they had followed their own impulse, they would have missed out on the whole thing. I want us to talk about this for a couple moments. Um, You realize God's greatest accounts are all attached to God's logic that doesn't make any sense to us. Now think about it. Some of the biggest phenomenal miracles are all attached to God's logic that doesn't compute. Here's this one. Hey, let's go out and fish even though you were just out and didn't catch anything. How about this one? There's a giant and he's killing everyone let's go send a teenage boy with no armor and all he has is a sling and stone. That'll do it. Here's another one. Hey, stick your staff out into the water and that's how you're going to get across the Dead Sea. That makes sense, doesn't it? And on and on and on it goes, Abram, I know I promised that you are going to have a great nation through your offspring, but I want you to sacrifice your one and only son, Isaac. Some of God's biggest miracles are attached to his most illogical requests. And I know we can be thinking, God, why? Why do you do things like that? I have a biblical reason, and then I've got a personal reason. The biblical reason, Romans 11, 33, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And so the biblical reason why God does stuff like that is because he's God. And he's smarter than us. And he can do whatever he wants. Now I'm going to give you the human reason. Why does God do this? You ready? You sitting down? I don't know. I don't know what God's thinking. If I understood all God is thinking, you couldn't afford me. Okay? Okay? God's ways are far beyond ours, but I do know this. When we follow along with God's reasoning, even if it doesn't make sense, he seems to do his best work then. And when we do things our way and say, I'm not going to buy into that stuff, Things seem average at best, or else they ultimately fail. I want to give you two responses, and then we're going to get into 2019. And then next week, we are diving into the deep with 2019 and where we're going. But for this week, I just want to kind of get our feet wet a little bit. Two responses during God's crazy commands, and here's one. Even when I don't understand, I'll trust what God said. The first response is trust. It's interesting because um, I was reading this week about Naaman, who's a man in the Old Testament with leprosy. In fact, he was a high commanding officer. And he wanted Elijah to come because he had heard that Elijah had been able to help people And so um, Elijah never even got out of his chariot. But a servant came out to Naaman and said, I want you to dip into the Jordan River seven times. Well, Naaman was ticked. Number one, the prophet didn't even come out. And then he says, dip in the Jordan. I can go back to my beautiful pools in Syria and I can dip in those seven times. It's a lot cleaner than the Jordan River. And so he was actually leaving. And a soldier comes up alongside him and says, buddy, this is is what you got to do. And for six times that he dipped in the Jordan, nothing happened. And finally on number seven, the Bible says it came up and his, his skin was like a baby's skin. And I realize it takes trust. I realize that there are other solutions that make more sense or that we feel more comfortable with. But this is how Naaman responded when he got done with all of that and the leprosy was gone. He said, you know, I had thought the prophet was going to come and wave his hand and I'd be healed. But now after his healing, here's what he says. He says, now I know that there is a God of Israel. And It wasn't about the Jordan River. It wasn't about the prophet. It was about God. And so he says, you know what? I didn't understand it, but I trusted it. And even when I don't understand, I'll trust what God says. Here's number two. Although it seems illogical, I'll obey. I'll obey. Sometimes we can have in our mind, okay, I'll go along with it. But, you know, to take those faith steps and to actually do it, that's where Peter came along he says, okay, it doesn't make sense. I'm I'm tired, but I'm still going to do it because you said so. And so there needs to be that step of obedience And it reminds me of the account in the New Testament where um, it was Jesus' first miracle and there was a wedding and there was wine there and they were running out and they told, um, Mary went to Jesus and said, they're out of wine. And and Jesus says, okay. Tell the servants to go and fill up all the jugs with water. Now that doesn't make sense. And then serve it to the master of ceremonies. And Mary says just a few words. She says, Whatever he says, just do it. Just do it. Obey it. And one of my favorite verses of Scripture, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, To trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. To trust God and obey, even if It doesn't compute for us. So here you're at the bottom of your um, study guide. I want to give us some first thoughts for 2019. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt there in your seat, your pew. Here's some things we're looking at for this coming year. And some thoughts I want us to keep in mind. Number one, how true this is. God's crazy ideas are always best. They always best our most brilliant ones. True? Okay, folks, I know that we are in a holiday week. I'm with you. God's crazy ideas always best our most brilliant ones. True? How true that is? There's nothing better that we can do as a church family. There's nothing better that you can do in your family. There's nothing better that you can do in your life than to follow the leading of God from his word and from his spirit, period. That's just where it's at. We're doing a few things right now, and and we need this. One is we are in the... Throes of a music pastor search, something that we pray God is going to resolve for us in 2019, and we are praying through this, we are seeking God's face in this, we have lined out things we believe God would want for us in this search And I don't know exactly where he's going to lead in all of this. I don't know exactly who is going to be here. And sometimes we have our preconceived or pre-thought-out plan of how it's supposed to be. And ultimately, whatever God's idea is, it's always better than our most brilliant ones. Here's another thing that we're going to be talking about, and next week we're going to open it right up. We are going to continue to pray about being mission-driven, not program-driven. God gave us a mission. That's the one thing I know for sure. He did not give us a set of programs. I love this word. There is cultural elasticity built into the gospel. Think about it. That's how Jesus could say, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And guess which one we are. Northern Michigan is about the uttermost parts of the world as you can get. And the cultural stretch that the gospel can reach into any place, any. Culture, any region, any language, any people and change their lives shows that we have some freedom from God to do what we believe he's leading us to do to better accomplish the mission of more and better disciples. And there's going to be a question and I'm going to dig into it a little bit more next week with us. We're going to be asking in 2019 is this effectively accomplishing our mission? Is this that we are doing, effectively accomplishing our mission? Not, is it popular? It's not, do people like it a lot? We're not going to be asking, oh, will someone be upset if we adjust things? Ultimately, we're going to be praying, God, help us to be passionate and driven about the mission, to accomplish what we know you've told us to do, and we will pray, we will seek godly counsel, we will understand his word, we will follow as best as possible to help make more and better. But whatever God wants for us, that is better than anything we could come up with on our own. God's crazy ideas always best our most brilliant ones. Here's number two. This one's a beauty. Let's serve God as advancers, not advisors. There's one quote I learned when I was in college. I've not forgotten it. Most people like to serve God on an advisory basis. And the newsflash is God does not need our advice. Advancers, yes. Advisors? It's crazy, when people followed God's prompting in Scripture and they did it, awesome things happened. And even more so, when they didn't like what they were doing. Did you note that with with Peter, with Naaman? When people weren't even fans of what God asked them to do, but they still did it, there was tremendous blessing, even... Abraham with Isaac, and I just end up dreaming, and I do, I dream about you. I dream about us at night, and I end up dreaming and imagining, God, what could you do here? And also, almost gives me Baptist goosebumps when I think about it. God, what could you do here? With a group of 550 advancers. Not advisors. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine even if it's not how you would advise but if people say, you know what? I don't necessarily like that. But I'm in. I'm not a fan of working with kids. But the doctor can medicate me enough to get through. I'm not big about talking about my faith. I'm a launch out. I don't necessarily like change. But it's not about me. And I look at some of these folks in scripture that even though there was reluctance, even though it didn't make sense, even though they didn't feel it inside, they still step forward with obedience and bam, God's like, okay, let's fill these boats. Let's just fill these stinking things and let them see something like they've never seen before in their entire life. Advancers. And I'm just here to tell you, like I'm telling myself, if you're one that advances even though it's not how you'd advise, you are gonna be in for the thrill of your life. Here's number three. Let's be sure God gets the credit for the outcome. Let's be sure God gets the credit for the outcome. You know what? Uh, We never saw... The blind person say, well, you know, if you mix this much spit and this much dirt, then that's how your eyes will be healed. We didn't see Naaman saying, well, let's take some water from the Jordan back, and then that can heal everyone else. And you know, it... It is not our program. It is not our idea. It is not our style that gives any increase at all. And at the very end of the story, all credit and honor goes to Jesus Christ for anything good that happens. And I love the end of the benediction, Romans eleven thirty six. 36. It says, for from him and through him, And to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And so in the very end, when we end up saying, okay, God, it's your idea, it's not mine, I'm going to advance and not advise, and when something happens, we say, wow. Okay, all all glory to God. All credit to Jesus Christ. We want everyone to realize there is a God in heaven, who has done this. This is not of our own making. And we're sure that he gets the credit for the outcome. I want you to think this year with me about letting God lead. Finding us in the advancer seat. And being prepared to give him the credit no matter what. And in fact, I would love for you to pray with me about this right now. And possibly, if you would, just close your eyes and just think, you know what, I don't know how God would prompt you with this. Maybe, maybe it's to be an advancer. Maybe you find yourself more of a critic and you say, you know what, enough of me being a Siskel and Ebert. I, I need to... I need to be someone who's going to help advance God's program and not just critique. And if that's you, just talk to God about that. Maybe maybe we're ones that resist, and I'm there too. We get familiar with things and we say, man, I, I don't know. Maybe ask God, God, loosen me up. If you want to lead, I'll follow. Maybe you find that you're one that looks at the program and you feel a lot of the credit lies there and you realize, you know, I need to give the credit to Jesus more. Whatever it is, would you tell him right now? Just tell him. God, here's me. This is my life. Here's what I want to be in 2019 for you, for your work at East Bay Calvary to advance your kingdom here. Tell him right now, would you? So, Father, when you say, even if it's illogical, help us to do. Help us just to trust, to obey. We pray that in doing it, we just relinquish the results to you. Build your kingdom, grow your church. Make things happen here that are only explained by giving credit to an amazing, indescribable God that you are for us. We trust you for great things. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet, I got one more thing for you. Stand up with me and then we'll be dismissed. Here's what it is, I love this. This is, to me, the best part of the whole passage. Jesus then turns to Simon after all of this and he says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Catch this. So they pulled their boats up on shore. You ready? And they left it all and followed him. They left all the money. All those fish that they were going to sell at the market, they left it. They left their boats. They left the nets. They left it all. Because they were thinking, can you imagine if he can do this with fish, oh, what could he do in advancing his kingdom? And they dumped it. Said forget it. We're going to invest No longer in fish. We're going to invest in the best thing imaginable, and that's following Jesus. And that, my friends, is where we're going in 2019. Let's invest in following him. Let's be all in in every way. Let's just not hold back and just say, God, here I am. The boat, the fish, who cares anymore? I want your kingdom to grow. On earth, just like it is in heaven. Let's leave it all. Hey, God bless your celebration of the New Year's. And as the clock ticks in, think about how God can use you in 2019 for his glory and credit. And we will see you next Sunday on the 6th. God bless. Have a good one.